With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Off The Bench. The biggest names in Aussie sport are here every weekend for Bob Jane T-Mart's number one tyre and wheel specialists. Yeah, they certainly do live here every weekend. Welcome to it. Another edition of Off The Bench uh, with Jason Matthews here. As you look back at some of the great interviews we did during the week on Sports Day uh, with myself and Gary Belcher. Scott Sattler's actually on holidays at the moment. Uh, he, of course, will be back uh, next week. Uh, hopefully. Uh, we kicked off the week uh, talking about a guy who was at once at the Panthers, then at the Titans and let go, and then he's been put into the hands of one Mark Spud Carroll at Spud's Gym in Sydney. And boy, he's starting to look fit. We're talking about Bryce Cartwright. Will he get that elusive contract at the Parramatta Eels? We caught up with Spud, the man who's punishing him, and got his thoughts on it. Yeah, good evening, man. How's he going? He, he looked. He looked. I've got to admit, he looked really good on the vision I saw today. How, how's he going, Spud? Is he getting into shape? And, and do you reckon he might be half a chance of of getting a contract at the Eels? Yeah, it's been he's been fantastic. Um, I, I remember doing a show in there all tonight. Just going back nearly three months ago, and I, I said down the camera, um, I hate seeing talent go to waste. He's the most natural talent player I've seen for quite a while. I love to get my hands on him. And I backed myself. I rang up his manager and I said, uh, the ball's in his court. If he wants to ring me, here's my number. And he, he rang me within 20 minutes. And the next day we started doing um, these uh, sessions, getting ready for NRL again. Was he, hey, Spud, uh, it's Badge. Good to talk to you, champion. Yeah, was he was he coming off um, a pretty unfit base? Have you got a lot of work to do? Hey, we're talking about, he's now a 26-year-old. Mate, these guys, there's more fat on the chip. Like Dad said, come on through. They don't <laughs> let himself go out. So he's, um, but he's, uh, when he come in, mate, his head was down. I said, mate, look me in the eye when you look at me. Shake my hand. His, his handshakes got better. He come in with those little fancy ones. I said, not in my gym. One time he tried <laughs> to take his shirt off. I said, put it back on. I don't take mine off. But he's, um, he's a good kid, mate. He, um, he's now back living, um, with his mum and dad out at Colton. He's got two kids, um, He's uh, trying to sort out his stuff with his um, his ex partner, but his his kids are his, his his heartbeat, mate. He loves his kids. He's 26 years of age. Uh, I can see what went down probably at the Titans. Um, talking to Desi Hasley, he said the bubble was quite hard, but you don't understand these players. They come into the bubble, then they've got to go home to either their wife or their girlfriend, and they might have the they might have the uh, the, the dirt's on you for some reason, and you've got to, you just can't go there and have a beer with you, mate. You've got to stay in, internal. So I think it put a bit of pressure on him. But, yep. mate, what I've seen out of this kid, he's certainly um, he's going to have the right attitude. Attitude's, um, you know, he's never been late for me, which is, uh, first, he's fantastic. He's got to come from Penrith to in, into our inner city, which is, I think is fantastic. Yeah, well, he's in good hands, but I know that um, you train hard and you, you demand the best from him. Is he actually pushing himself hard. I mean, that's, that's the difference. I mean, you can, you can try, as you know, you can train and you can fake yeah. your way through, but there's, there's going, yeah. you know, giving it every, every ounce of what you've got. Is he, have you got him at that stage yet? Yeah, well, mate, I've put a couple of kegs on him. Badge, I just think he's, um, 
they, they, you know, back when, when we're coming forward, my favourite was uh, Glenn Lazarus. He taught me so much about you know, front row play, but now they call them middles. Like middles, mate, it's bloody front rowers. Do your work. So he's got to be one of these guys, either a lockboard or front row. Get out there. But I've told him, and that's that, that, I did that little um, fake punch thing, put one on his chin. I said, if you pass the ball within six hit-ups, I'm going to put one on your chin. Because as you see, mate, he used to catch ball, catch ball. <laughs> now, mate, go and do your work. Roll his sleeves up. Um, one of my favourites I seen last year, and Canterbury Company, now this year was the Ruby Toby Toby Rudolph for Cronulla. You ever see yeah. that guy play, mate? He runs mm. from the back fence. He rolls the sleeves up. If he cops a whack, he gets up and goes again. I said, Bright, that's how you've got to be, Bryce. I said, mate, people think defensively you're a little bit soft. I said, mate, it's all about attitude, and we're going to work on that, mate. Beauty. How, how, I was going to ask you that, Spud. How is the attitude, and how is how is his mental health and confidence? You said when he first walked in, head down, didn't shake your hand. Are you yeah. seeing that change? Is he getting that hunger back because he has lacked that over the last couple of seasons? Yeah, I think he has. I think it's a great move in um, the Parramatta. Um, my clients, when he comes in and trains, my clients have seen change. They're going, Spud, you're changing this kid. He walks in, he can see. He's, He's standing six foot five now. He's tall. He's he's um mate. He's, he trains outstanding. Like sometimes I can't even get a bloody heart rate out of. So I'm doing one eighty two heart rates. I'm about to die, and he's doing one fifty. So I went. That's that's the age for you. But I just think it's a fantastic pickup for Parramatta. I actually rung Brad Arthur. I said, mate, well done, Brad. You've got a good one here, and he agreed with me. Um, it's an opportunity. He's got to take it. And, I, and I was, as I said to him yesterday, bro, we're not going there to sit off on the bench and come off the bench. We're there that to make first grade on a constant basis. And so when you get the train, I want you to start knocking. He might be your mate. I don't give a shit. Give him a whack with your right shoulder and let him know you're there. You know, you're, you're training for a spot. You want to play rugby league week in, week out. And this is his second chance. And he's got to take it. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Well, as you said, he's in good hands now. Are you okay to talk? About Origin three yet? Have you you've no. recovered enough from that? No, no, we don't Spud? want to talk about it. Because I reckon uh, the no, way the stuff you, the stuff yeah. you're talking about now is the sort of stuff yeah. that that Freddie would like his some of his forwards yeah. to to hear. They, they're, they're middle or they're, they're props. They they were dominated. How, how would you have tried to fix that yourself yeah. on the run during a big game like that? Well, uh, in the, in the run, I just think the side wasn't. I think we're missing a couple of players. I would have had Clemmer in there. Clemmer never lets anyone down. You need a big bloke. He's six foot five, 150, 120 kilos. He's a dominator. Um, unfortunately, the boys, there's, you're seeing life badge, and we've seen it, mate. Some people are born for origin, right? I look at that game now. I look at the, uh, the Queensland side. They were giggling and going, how good is this? This just before the national anthem. The New South Wales players all stone-faced. They're actually probably really worried what's going to happen here. There's a couple of blokes out there in that side. They shouldn't be playing origins like deer in headlights. Um, you've seen it, and they'll they'll get they got exposed. Yeah, yeah, they sure did. Righto. Well, and, and before we go, mate, our our poll tonight one ref or two. They they're talking about uh, asking clubs do they want to go back to two refs. I think it's not. I think it's 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 great the way it is with the six again and the one ref. What do you reckon? Yeah. Got to agree with you, Badge, mate. I'm sick of seeing two refs. Seriously, it was either one was <laughs> trying to get above the other. I didn't know who was who was the leader or who was the second in return. I had no idea, mate. It was like a bit of a it was a bit of a contest who was going to be the best referee out there. Now we've got one out there. Do your job and back yourself. Make a decision. When's the try? Let it be a try. If you make a mistake, mate, we all make mistakes. I just think it's been great this year, especially with the six again. Bring it on. 
Good on oh, you, I love, mate. I love talking to Spud. I'm fired oh, up as well. Yeah. Now, hey, should I ask you about Suwali at South, uh, Spud? What, what should South do about this? Um, the Roosters want him. Should well, they let him go or should they ask for someone like Tupo? No. The kid doesn't want to play in the club. It's like this thing then. What's he, uh, Alawai okay, or something from the uh, LA, West yeah. Tigers? If he doesn't want to play, let him go. Like, seriously, good luck going to Desi. <laughs> Under Des has a Des will fix him up. But I just think uh, these young kids, the, the, the thing I worry about this young kid um, is that, he, what is he, 16 or 17? He's never, he's been killing him in June. It's like, I remember a bloke when I was 14, a bloke called Mark Blackburn. He had a, he had a beard at 14. I'm thinking to my dad, Dad, when do I get a beard? He goes, oh, mate, you'll get one one day. I still can't grow a beard, but. He plateaued that early. The thing is with this kid, mate, I guarantee if I was playing, there'd be a red dot in his head and I'd be taking him. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure on this young kid, man. I'll tell you, he's had that much. And money, what about the money they're saying? My God. Yeah, yeah I hope he can play. Actually, Badge made a good point yesterday, uh, Spud, that at the moment, and we're talking about the contracted players, if they if they want to yeah. go to another club and break a contract, they should do it for the same amount of money no. they're on or they should sit out a year or the remainder of their contract, like Gordon yeah. Tallis did with St George and, and the Broncos. What yeah. do you think about that? May you throw that rule up and no one will do it. No, that's it. They would not do it. It's, I can't believe now... Yeah, you know, Badge, when I, and you and I come through, mate, I shook hand on the deal. That was it. But now they just break the contract that easy. Yeah. Mate, find them. I just think they should be, you know, drop, drop some money. And, and, you know, it's up to the club if they want. But these guys, I don't know, I'm old school, mate. A, a contract was a contract, and you mm. play out till the end. All right, Spud, we love talking yeah. to you, mate. Spud's you, mate. Jim in there, busting on, Bryce Cartwright's butt every single day. Thanks for joining us on Sports Day, mate. <laughs> This is Off The Bench. We'll be back soon for Bob Jane T-Mart's number one tyre and wheel specialists. We're back. This is Off The Bench for Bob Jane T-Mart's tyre and wheel specialists. Uh, Welcome back to uh, Off The Bench. Uh, Jason Matthews here. Uh, During the week, uh, Badge and I had the chance to chat to one of the finalists uh, in SAS Australia uh, there was three people left at the end who were all, well, I guess you could say the winners or those who would be chosen to join the Special Forces. Nick Cummins, the honey badger. Uh, there was also Merrick Watts, the comedian. My God, he looks hungry. Absolutely hungry, that bloke. And Sabrina Frederick, the AFLW player who plays for the Richmond Tigers. She joined us on the show this week. Your favourite show was on TV last night. You don't get into reality TV that much, do you? Oh, uh, well, we watch a bit, you know. We watch, watch this one you're hooked on. This one was outstanding right from the start. Uh, SAS Australia. And, you know, the, the thing for me is it was so real. It was so... It wasn't contrived. There was so much about it that... Um, you know, we well, I couldn't help but get you know get hooked on it. It was tough. It it was it was brutal. We're going to talk to one of the winners, or I don't know if they're winners, but this she is... was a winner, and she was one of the toughest people I've ever seen to uh, get through that sort of stuff. This is how it finished last night. This is how cutthroat it is. This is how real it is. All three of you have passed this course. Well done. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Brilliant. You've done so well. You can give me a hug. I'm a hugger. Well done, baby. Well done. 
That might have been too scared to hug you. Sabrina Frederick is uh, is on the line with Sabrina. Uh, great stuff last night. Congratulations to get through that. Can you, when you look back at it, and I know you watched it all back. When you look back, can you believe that you were able to complete that entire, you know, physical and and mental challenge? Um, I think it's 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 definitely one of those things where I've always had belief. Um, I had belief when I was in there, but I think watching it all back, it does put it in, in perspective of, you know, that was that was really, really tough. That was the toughest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And, um, yeah, it's, it's one, one of those things where you're in survival mode the whole time. You just don't understand how you actually got through it all. Mm. Well, when you were, you know, I think physically it was obviously you were way ahead of the other females on the show and a bunch of the other guys as well probably if not all of them was 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 the physical stuff the toughest including that you know i know you had a, a crook back from um that that abseiling uh thing that kind of went wrong and or was it the was it the that mental stuff late the um you know when they had you in the room although interrogating you and you're waiting and you're cold and you've got that crazy stuff coming in your ears in those headphones and the baby crying and oh, what, what, what did you find the toughest part of it honestly it would have been the mental side of it i think that some people get it um confused that you need to be physically fit to, to complete the course and of course you need to be physically fit to be able to do some of the tasks but most mm. of it is mental and they're looking at that mental side and i think um, that's probably what was the deciding factor in the end was that mental part of it um, for some people. You know, but in the end, I think the last couple of episodes, there were seven of us and went from seven to the last three within two days. And I think that, that's that mental side of it. So, um, yeah, it was really, really tough, tougher than I anticipated. Um, and I think that it definitely confirmed um, the strength that I think I have and I had. Sabrina, this is how you were described last night on the show. We're going to talk about people we want next to us. 14 is that person that will never let you down, regardless of where she is. And you wouldn't have seen that until last night, Sabrina. A lot of that stuff, you, you would not... You, you were probably watching this with as much surprise as a lot of, a lot of us were. Was there, was there plenty that you learned about yourself and um, you know, the, the guys that were running the show and the other contestants when you watched it back? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the one thing that I will say is you don't know where you stand the whole course. Everything that the DS say behind closed doors, we don't hear about. So the first time that I heard that they thought I was any good earlier on was when I was watching it, you know, with this show in public. So I think that that's the, the coolest thing about it is, you know, it, it's real. It's as real as it gets. What you see is what it is. Uh, it was awesome to be able to see um, my other recruits go through their interrogations and their um, one-on-ones, that for me was um, a really cool experience because, you know, we didn't get to see that on the course. So I'd learned a lot in there on the course about those people that I was around, but it definitely um, reaffirmed to me that they're all genuine people and they're all really impressive people. On mm. those one-on-ones, this is where they did dive into your insecurities and the reason why you're on the show. Sabrina, what drove you to put yourself mm. on the show? What drove what drove you to put yourself there? I think two reasons. One is just to challenge myself. I always have been the type of person to just throw myself in the deep end. That's how I best learn. That's how I best grow. So that was that. And then the second point was, 
I felt like I had a chip on my shoulder. I felt like I had something to prove. Um, I feel like the the SAS program for so many years, the, the real program has only only just let females in in the last four years. And for me, it was a real opportunity to show, you know, I'm a proud woman and I want to be able to say that I can do this course, I can complete this course. And it, it's not shaming men at all. I think men are the greatest greatest human beings and I have so many amazing men in my life. But I think these days we don't have enough women saying, you know, well, we can do the physical stuff too. Like we're just yeah. as strong. Um, and that for me was another reason why I wanted to do the course. Sabrina Fedrick from uh, SAS Australia, who was one of the three left standing at the end, joining us right now on Sports Day. I really admired your toughness. And I remember we talked about it, Badge, as a team uh, early. I think it was episode one, maybe, when they had the boxing challenge. And you caught out the biggest (laughs) bloke there and you held your own. It was Nick Cummings. Was it Nick Cummings? Yes, it was. You called him out. definitely got a bit of a, a response. (laughs) <laughs> that that was that was in that was incredible. Was that a tactic of yours, or you just thought I'm just going for it? Um, honestly, I only had a few seconds to make my mind up, um, and it was just you know pick the biggest recruit, and it just so happens that it was Nick. So for me, I just wanted to challenge myself, and it's something actually Nick totally understands. He's always been like that his whole his whole rugby career. You know, he's not called the honey badger for no reason. So it almost was uncanny that I picked him because he would have done the exact same thing in my position. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, Nick got was one of the three that got right through and got uh, and made it through the course and got selected, along with yourself and Merrick Watts, which and Merrick was outstanding as well. One of the big shocks was that there was actually a fourth person that got right through the course along with you, and that was James Magnuson. But um, they voted him off. Did, do you understand why? Um, I think it's a hard one. Um, I think that the DS, they're the best of the best, the former special forces. They know what they're looking for. They know the mould. They've been through the real course themselves. Um, as much as it is, is devastating not to be chosen, and I totally understand um, I've not been selected for things um, in teams and sporting environments my whole life, so I understand that, but... I think with James, he's shown that he is a real trooper. He's an incredible human being. He's so strong. Um, you know, I would have him on my team personally, but you also have to trust that the DS know what they're, they're talking about. It was brutal out there, it seemed, in that, you know, down near the snowy mountains and freezing temperatures. It was, it was in August, you've, you've told us, off, off the air. And, and I guess there's a bunch of stuff that we didn't see. Was there anything you were surprised that didn't make it to air that, that happened? Um, a lot of stuff. <laughs> you only get an hour's worth of an episode and we'd be, tra- we'd be mm. filming for almost 12 hours a day. So a lot of stuff, a lot of the stuff that we would have at the accommodation, the conversations that we would have, um, even parts of confrontation that we had and how we dealt with that um, as a group didn't get included. And, um, you know, I guess that's just TV. You've got to pick the parts that are the most interesting yeah. Now you've got training uh, tonight, Richmond Tigers AFL uh, W team. Um, that's your career. I mean, you've got a job as well, and you play footy. Special forces is that something you might want to? You get do? a free pass into it now that you've passed. <laughs> oh, that's good. I think that is that right. <laughs> is, is that is that a career path for you? Is that something you'd like to have a crack at, or, or what, what do you want to do? 
I have a lot of respect for the military. I have my whole life. My mum was in the British military, so I definitely um, I have respect for it. But at the moment, my focus is is not on that. Um, but I always say never say never. But for right now, footy is on my mind, and that is the only thing. Well, we hope that goes really well for you this season. Your footy was there a prize at the end for the, for the winners? Did you? Or was it just about the the sense of achievement? No, no, genius. No, it's just the achievement. That's why I think the course is what it is. I think it genuinely is the most real reality show that there is. Oh, absolutely. All right, Sabrina, Channel 7, tell me there's going to be uh, an SAS Australia 2021 as well. So you'll be able to sit back. You might back. be back. Well, you sit back and have a block of chocolates. <laughs> yeah, watch I'll get to watch someone else. Yeah, I'll get to see someone else get their ass kicked. <laughs> Sabrina, I reckon you're one gutsy woman, and I think you're outstanding on that show. Thanks for joining us tonight on Sports Day. All right. This is Off the Bench. We'll be back soon for Bob Jane Tmart's number one tyre and wheel specialists. We're back. This is Off The Bench for Bob Jane T. Mars, tyre and wheel specialists. Welcome back to Off The Bench. Jason Matthews here for your weekend. I hope it's going all right for you. Um, during the week, we woke up on Thursday morning to the news that we'd lost Diego Maradona, the age of 60, to a heart attack. John Aloisi joined us to talk about the great man himself. was a genius. Uh, yeah, he had his flaws off the pitch. Um, but on the pitch, the, the things that he could do with the ball, uh, and not only with the ball, just uh, uh, without the ball, his uh, his vision, his uh, his presence on the pitch. He won the World Cup single-handedly. That's never been done before. Pelé had a great team around him. Maradona didn't. He uh, he ended up taking a team like Napoli in the Serie A in Italy that never won not one trophy before to win mm. two titles. Uh, for them, so the things that he was able to do with uh, with you know, football, with his teams, and and also uh, if you talk about Diego Maradona and you haven't even watched a minute of football, you still know who he is. So he transcended mm-hmm. the game, and uh, so up there with uh, the best in the world in, in all sports, I think. And that goal, that second goal he scored in that uh, World Cup semi final against England, where he dribbled it, you know, from sixty meters out. All it's like he had spiders on him. John, no one could go near him, and he just—he made it look so easy. That'd have to be one of his greatest goals. Definitely one of his greatest goals. I think it's the the goal, the best goal that the World Cup has ever seen. It's probably the the best goal that you'll ever see at any level. But um, to do it in, in a World Cup game against top quality opposition, and uh, England were—they had some great players—and uh, in a moment like that, and make the players look like amateurs. That, that's what I'm saying about being a genius and uh, he did make it look easy and uh, if anyone's got time to, today or tonight uh, to have a look at that goal while uh, an Argentinian's uh, commentating it it's it's special <laughs> it makes uh, it makes you shiver and uh, and it makes you appreciate what he was able to do on the football pitch yeah that's nice coming from you one of Australia's great strikers for a long, long time. Now, I know you did play in Europe and, in fact, in, in Italy in the, is that right, in the mid-90s? It would, would have yeah, been a few years mid-90s. after, yeah, a few years after yeah. Maradona had, had left uh, Napoli. But just, just how big is he over there? Oh, he's huge. He's huge, especially down in Napoli. They, they, uh, he's like a god to them. Uh, I play with a lot of Argentinians and, uh, and they uh, looked up to him as a god. Uh, and they, they're, they're professional footballers, so that's what he meant to them. But um, I, you know, I've got a couple of the stories about 
teammates that I played with that also play with Maradona. One of them played with him at Napoli, and uh, you know we were all excited to, to hear the you know the Diego Maradona stories. And he told us that uh, you know Maradona would uh, be man of the match on a Sunday, and then on the Sunday night he'll go out, but then he'll go on a four-day bender <laughs> and come back and start training again on the Thursday. Um, uh, very light on the Friday sweat all uh, whatever he had in his system out of him on the Saturday light training and then on the Sunday go and be uh, man of the match again and, and win them the game and uh, he would do this the whole year and actually win the title with them so you can imagine how good he would have been if he was professional so <laughs> one of the stories of Maradona yeah so so all the stuff that and I know he has uh, he's talked about it in his in his own books and uh, and autobiographies and stuff about the drug use and the alcohol use. and It wasn't exaggerated. He was a full-on party animal. Yeah, he was a full-on addict. Um, and, and that was his, also his downfall. That's why he, uh, you know, his life was spiralled out of control. Um, it, it's a pity. He was a yeah, flawed genius, you can say. Um, but that also made him uh, probably who he is. He, he was uh, very passionate about you know, everything that he did. Um, they said he had a big heart. He was such a, a genuine person, and uh, you know, wanted to help everyone around him and wanted to make everyone happy. So it was one of those things that uh, you know it also killed him in the end. Yeah. How would the people of Argentina be feeling today, John? Uh, there'll be a lot of tears. Uh, Three day mourning. Uh, then, then, yeah, I think the the Argentinian president is uh, has said that uh, there'll be three days of mourning, and that's what he meant to that everything to them because really Argentina were, were found upon in, in many ways and uh, he brought uh, joy to their nation by winning the World Cup and, and you know they were able to say they had the best player in the world and probably the best of all time. Yeah, uh, Coaching in his later life, in fact he was coaching up until his death, um, what was he like? Did he have much success as a coach? Um, no, not a great deal of success. Um, he did coach quite a bit. But I think that he coached more or less to have structure in his life. I think that was the biggest thing because right. uh, he, he, he was hard for him to have structure. He needed it or else he was going to spiral out of control even more. Um, but, um, he, you know, he did coach the Argentinian national team. Uh, not to a great deal of success, but they did get through the group stages of the World Cup back in 2010. Um, and then he, he coached a few club sides and had a little bit of success, but not majorly. What what, uh, what sort of uh, tributes do you think would be happening for him? Or what, what would um, FIFA or, or World Soccer, World Football do uh, as some, you know, some of the tributes to Diego Maradona? Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I know one of his ex-clubs had a game on and they uh, cancelled the game. They postponed it so they won't play that uh, they didn't play it last night uh, back in Argentina. They'll end up playing that, uh, I think, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, I'm sure FIFA will put something on. I know there was a minute silence for all the Champions League games on this morning. Um, and, and it's just everyone and uh, that has been involved in the game has uh, posted something for uh, uh, on social media, on their pages, to, to say what he meant to them. And he, he meant a lot to not only my generation, because I grew up watching him and, and idolising him, but to a generation that didn't even see him because now you can see footage of him and just see how special he was. Yeah, no doubt at all. And we did, we did play those couple of goals that, you know, that as we said, four minutes apart in that uh, World Cup semi-final against England in Mexico uh, in 86 when he, the hand of God goal and then the amazing 
goal that he scored later. That hand of God goal, we were talking about this earlier on, and Woogie asked me, would you have, would you have said, no, no, I'd... I, uh, I I got my hand on it. I don't think I don't think anyone would have in circumstances like that, John, would they? You'd, you'd you'd let it go. You'd let the referee make his mind up. You know what? I would like to say that I would have said that. Um, <laughs> I, I would say it, but I don't think I would have because I did end up scoring a, a handball once in, ah. when I was playing in Spain, and I didn't own up to it. So <laughs> I didn't call it the hand of God, though. <laughs> oh well, there are plenty of batsmen who have nicked the ball and stood at the crease as well, John. So. Uh, I wouldn't worry about that, mate. I'm sure you can sleep okay at night. Look, we appreciate your time uh, today on Sports Day. Look, quickly before you go, there are suggestions that FIFA should retire the number 10 jersey. Do you think they will? I, I think they should. I think that would be brilliant. The only thing is is that Pelé had number 10, Maradona had number 10, right, now Messi's okay. got number 10. It, it, it's one of those things that... Uh, you know, the best player of their generation probably should wear that number. It, it's a difficult one, though. Yeah, rightio. Okay, the man who who scored the... We've been talking about the man who scored the greatest World Cup goal of all time uh, and the man who's just joined us, Badge. What? I don't get it. What do you mean? Never, No one ever playing the number 10 again or for yeah. a season or for... What? Ever? His ex-club, Napoli, uh, retired the number 10 jersey, but they had retired that a few years ago. And there is talk of them naming their stadium after Diego Maradona, so that would be a nice gesture. Yeah, it Fantastic. would be. Well, John, you scored the greatest goal in a World Cup qualifier, so we thank you for joining us today on Sports Day, mate. No, thanks for having me on. This is Off The Bench. We'll be back soon for Bob Jane T-Mart's number one tyre and wheel specialists. We're back. This is Off The Bench for Bob Jane T-Mart's tyre and wheel specialists. Welcome back to Off The Bench. Jason Matthews here. I hope your weekend is going well. Maybe it's just kick-starting. Uh, during the week, we uh, got around to talking about NFL. A lot of quarterbacks have fallen over uh, in uh, during this season, and we're getting towards the point in, and there's one, there's one conference called the NFC East, which we'll cover off with Cam Luke very shortly. Just a bit of a warning. Uh, Gary Belcher doesn't care much about the NFL, and I'm sure you'll pick it up during this interview. I, I know you're not a massive fan of this sport, Badge, but NFL is huge. In fact, I saw a game once. Um, OJ Simpson and... Oh, no, he, no, he wasn't getting chased. No, it was a car chase, yeah. Our Sports Day NFL expert and also from Armchair Experts, which you'll see on 7, mate, Cam Luke, welcome to Sports Day. Mate, I feel your pain. I actually used to oh. host this show, and Badge, we talk anything that wasn't rugby league, and you have to slap oh. him around the face to wake him up, mate. Hey, I love rugby league more than the next guy, Badge, but there are some other things oh, happening no. in the off-season. There so are. But get telling this as well. But last time I spoke to you, Cam, a few years ago, that NFL game that we were watching, it's just finished. Oh, come <laughs> on. Cam, uh, we're that's, doing this uh, That's almost as funny result. as half your jokes. Yeah. Uh, Cam, we're doing this for Red Energy for 100% Australian electricity and gas. Let's talk about the quarterbacks this year in the NFL. A lot of them falling over. Here's just a few. Dak Prescott, he did his oh, ankle. Uh, cool breeze. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool breeze. Drew breeze at the age of 68. He smashed about 11 ribs and punctured his lung. He might be back in a week or so. Joe Burrow from the Bengals. The Done his knee badly. Gone. gone. Uh, Panthers uh, quarterback Teddy Bridgewater and of course 49, 49ers quarterback uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, their big signing all dealing with injuries at the moment what's, what's going on what's in the NFL? What's going on? Dangerous game <laughs> I'm not, 
Look, look, I, it is a dangerous game, Badge, but the, the fact is, I look at this and there are high-profile injuries. And, of course, you mentioned Joe Burrow there, the number one pick who, who broke um, or his ACL and his MCL on, um, on, on Monday morning Australian time. And one of those sort of freakish injuries that do happen. And, and this is the, the thing that I, I look at it. If, if you look at all the ones you named, Drew Brees, obviously, with that hit, 11 fractures and a punctured lung. That's different to the the uh, situation with Burrow, where it's an ACL and the MCL. Then you have a look at, at Prescott, who snaps his leg. Bridgewater, while not as bad, similar thing. So while it isn't good, and there are some high-profile guys going down, the, the fact is that they are all different injuries. So when you try to nut it down, I don't think there's any particular way in which you can say this is why it's happening. It's more just been a bit of bad luck um, with, with all that. And when it comes to Burrow, who, to be fair, the Cincinnati Bengals are about one more season about relo- before they relocate to London. So they're just really holding on. And Burrow was giving them something to actually cheer for and, and have a right. bit of promise towards what hopefully is going to be um, a long time. And Cincinnati fans, I know you have a lot of them listen to the show. Uh, I'm only half <laughs> tongue-in-cheek <laughs> there. But it has been a, a franchise that has struggled. So, uh, look, traditionally when we have, you know, we have six or seven ACLs, we can pinpoint it as in the particular worries that maybe the NFL would have to work on. But I will say, while there is high-profile guys going down, I think it's more just bad luck that has happened in this particular season, more so than anything. Like the Drew Brees one is totally separate to the that Prescott one, which was horrible to watch, which is obviously yeah. different. Garoppolo was sort of struggled. Garoppolo probably was one being one pass away in that fourth quarter from being a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. He's already got one as a backup at the Patriots, but... Um, yeah, I, I think that if you look at it, just bad luck for these guys. And unfortunately, it happens uh, in the NFL and pro sport. What's going on with Tom Brady? I do know about him. He plays quarterback, Woogie. Yeah, I, I know that, mate. Where's he going? He's having a good year. <laughs> He's, He's having a great year, mate. I thought he started he, terrible. He, he, oh, what's going on? He's, he's, he's having an okay year. Uh, the interesting is that he's one and three in prime time. And he Monday Night Football again. They lose to the Rams yesterday, our time here in Australia. And, yeah, I just – they've got a great offensive team around uh, Tom Brady, and I'm just not 100% certain. I came into the year, they lost opening week uh, to the Saints, and then they started to get rolling because they're a team with a lot of new parts, of course, headlined by Tom Brady, that with no off-season, no real pre-season due to COVID that might have taken them a little while to get going. They have started to get going, but then a couple of ra- weeks ago, they lost to New Orleans, who just in Im- Embarrassed them, just mm. embarrassed them, and then again they lost to the Rams. Just so, who are quietly actually putting together a very nice year. Uh, of course, uh, Jared Goff and the Rams lost to Tom Brady uh, and the Patriots in the Super Bowl two seasons ago, but uh, they go to seven and three, so they, they will make the playoffs. But I'm just not 100 percent sold on the Bucks just yet. And that prime time, and when I say prime time, they're always the best teams to play. When you're playing on Monday Night Football. Uh, you're playing against the best teams. And being one and three in that slot this year is an issue that uh, Tom Brady, at the ripe old age, I think you mentioned Drew Brees before, at about 68, that Tom Brady in the 46 is remarkable. But um, yeah, they'll make the playoffs, but I'm not 100% sold that Brady's going to be able to get them going. <laughs> I want to talk to you about the dreaded NFC East, where my mighty Cowboys, the Eagles, Washington, who still don't have a name, and the Giants are all sitting on three mm-hmm. wins. Uh, Badge, you'll appreciate this. He's, Badge is looking at his phone now. Uh, they're all sitting on I'm three we- wins, and yeah, they're heading into week 12 what? of the competition. You're kidding. Um, uh, is, has there ever been a worse performing conference? No, no. 
There hasn't. And I tried to, early in the year on uh, the Armchair Experts, I tried to say to Benny Graham, we are not talking about the NFC East. But now we have to talk about it because now we know that you win a division, you host a playoff game. So one of these teams, remarkably, and five wins could win the division, is going to host a playoff game. And yep. it is remarkable to think that these, all these teams can be so bad at the one time. Now, Dak Prescott, you mentioned it earlier, breaks his leg. That's um, obviously the issue that um, he's going to hurt the quarter, uh, the, the Cowboys. Andy Dalton, of course, in control there. If you look at Carson Wentz, he has been downright disgusting. Alex Smith, who has come back from a dis- an incredible broken leg himself, and it's, it's a really good, feel-good story. Gets his first win the other day. But remarkably, one of these teams are going to host the playoff game, and it is amazing. <laughs> And God, I they, hope it's the I, I bet Benny Graham. <laughs> well, I, I think it will be. I think Andy Dalton is still the best quarterback in the division, even though he's the second stringer coming in. He's a guy, who, of course, has been a, a first stringer in the past. But I, I think it will be. But in, sport has this funny way of working itself out, where we never see a division this bad in any sport that has division. It just works itself out for some yeah. weird reason. It is just disgusting, and it is remarkably, the number one storyline the last couple of weeks because it's going to be the, probably the most hotly fought division and one day Sam's get to host the playoff game. Although that probably doesn't mean as much as she with, with fans, of course, not being as readily available to uh, enter the stadium in uh, Corona time. All right, mate. Listen, and, and stop, stop uh, bagging the Cowboys too on armchair experts too. I heard you the other day, you and Benny. The winner of that division will win Super Bowl. Oh, okay. It's one of those there's, things. There's Badger's thing. Listen, before well, we go... Actually, yeah. I, I, well, just on that badge, I have bet Benny Graham that, that if that team goes through to host the championship game, not not even make the Super Bowl, host the championship game, I'm going to shout him a trip to the Super Bowl badge. I'm going to add that. I'm going to I'm going to add you in. If, Someone's if the done, team wow. from the NFC wow. East hosts a, a championship game, I'll take you, Badge, and Benny, and you, Jace. And if you know what, Done. I mean, I'll even take Sats, even though I don't like the bloke. I'll even take his all over. I'll shout his all. No, I don't, want to, no I don't want to go with Sats. I don't want to go. Don't put Sats on the same the plane as us. <laughs> Business we, class. We get different flights. <laughs> Can anyone stop the Steelers? Yes. The Chiefs will win the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. Remarkably, the Steelers, who are 10-0, and zero, they're undefeated. We will get to a championship game. The Chiefs and the Steelers will play, and the Steelers might be undefeated and not be favourites. Uh, I think... This is Off The Bench. We'll be back soon for Bob Jane T-Mart's number one tyre and wheel specialists.